The tranquility to be found in a beautiful garden defies the running sands of time. Gardens which have been loved and cared for over hundreds of years have nurtured the soul for countless generations. The millions of quiet moments are shared as one. Time moves forward, reverses, stands still and ceases to exist. The gardens themselves become like reliquaries for the soul of the nation. to friendship and refinement, drama and passion, laughter and tragedy. One of the most famous sites in Suzhou today is the Garden of Cultivation. It was bought by the Wen family in 1620 when it was known as the Herb Garden. The garden is as carefully composed as a painting or poem. Carefully balanced vistas within the grand landscapes of nature are conjured in miniature from rocks and shrubs. The dappled light that falls effortlessly across the whitewashed walls is rarely, if ever, accidental. The owner of the garden was Wen Zhen Hang. He wrote a book called Treatise on Superfluous Things. The book was completed in the early 1620s and contains 12 volumes dealing with everything that a gentleman aspiring to a life of refinement and culture needs to know. It has been translated into multiple languages. The treatise on superfluous things is about daily living. While The Craft of Gardens, written by Wen's friend, Ji Chung, is a reference book for creating gardens. The two together 
represent essential knowledge for literati life in the Ming dynasty. Wen rebuilt his new garden according to these prescriptions. In fact, Wen and Ji were part of a flourishing publishing industry that included authors of the caliber of Gao Lian and Tu Long. The lifestyle of relaxation and refinement was always couched in contrast to the rigors of an official career. The latter offered honor and respect. The former, satisfaction and far greater security. It was a dilemma of choice that had also bothered Wen's illustrious great-grandfather, Wen Jiangming. Wen Jiangming failed the imperial examination ten times. He finally gained appointment as an editorial assistant of the Hanlin Academy at the age of 54. But before long, the poisonous nature of court politics drove him to despair. He decided to quit and return to his hometown. Wen Jiangming already enjoyed a reputation as a great artist and had designed the humble administrator's garden, the largest remaining private garden in Suzhou today. Tang Yin was a contemporary of Wen Jiangming and another one of the four scholars of southern China. The garden he created, the Tang Yin Garden, is quite different from the others. It's also the site of his tomb. Tang was a talented scholar and intellectual from a humble background. Wen Jiangming's father, Wen Lin, was one of his sponsors. However, in an attempt to secure a coveted official post, Tang was accused of bribing the officials running the imperial examinations for an advanced copy of the test. He was imprisoned and then barred from an official career. He returned to Suzhou, where his alternative career as an artist subsequently blossomed. Tang has become a legendary figure in Chinese culture as a free-living, roguish roustabout. Tang and Wen remained good friends in both life and art. Their example continues to inspire artists throughout the ages, both for their achievements and for their integrity. As one of the skions of a long-established gentry family, Wen Zhen Hung inherited not just the privileges, but also a network of connections which gave him considerable responsibilities.
1626, the struggles and intrigues of the court in Beijing arrived on the streets of Suzhou. The feckless young Tianqi emperor left the control of the imperial court to his palace eunuchs. Corruption was rife. The eunuchs sought the arrest and execution of a Suzhou official who opposed them. When their agents arrived to carry out these orders, the people of Suzhou turned out to protest. Tens of thousands from all classes and backgrounds took to the streets. It fell to Wen Zhenhang to be their spokesman and leader. The massive civil protest angered those in power. It was one of several recorded cross-class actions during the Ming. It also showed Wen Zhenhang's great moral courage. A crackdown followed to intimidate the citizenry. Blood was shed and five deaths were recorded. troublesome, honest official was captured at the second attempt. Today, a memorial stealer commemorates the five martyrs of the protest and bears witness to the turbulence beyond Wen's peaceful garden walls. His elder brother, a senior court official, had died the previous year. Now he had been summoned again to serve. Initially posted to the troubled Shanxi region, his reputation as a talented zither player and calligrapher helped him get transferred to the capital, Beijing. was a difficult time for Wen to return to the capital. The empire was wobbling on its foundations. The peasant rebels remained undefeated. The Manchus were gaining strength in the northeast and his elder brother had been a well-known supporter of the anti-eunuch faction at court. Wen Zhenhang's life of retreat in Suzhou had served another critical purpose for his wider clan.
while his elder brother had represented them at court, Wen Zhenhang was free to remain in Suzhou and cultivate the vital network of local relations on which their standing and influence depended. The summons to Beijing was a game-changer as far as that was concerned. His time in the capital included a spell in prison as a result of his involvement with his late brother's anti-eunuch faction. In 1640, when returned to Suzhou on leave, he was tired and dispirited. The dynasty was entering its final death throes. In January 1643, a bungled military operation allowed the Manchus to seize the strategic fortress of Jizhou. Wen had been due to join the Ming army, but had stayed in Suzhou. In April 1644, Li Zicheng's peasant army captured Beijing, and the last emperor of the Ming, Chongzhen, hanged himself. The bleak news travelled south quickly. In 1645, Wen Zhenhang found that the citron tree in the courtyard was suddenly unable to produce citrons. The delicacies made from the citron-scented sugar would not be available that year. Beyond his garden wall, Manchu bannermen were enforcing the rule of their new Qing dynasty. All men were ordered, on pain of death, to shave up to the crown of their heads and wear their hair in a pigtail, in the style of their Manchu conquerors. Wen would not submit to this nightmarish imposition. He vowed to preserve his top knot and his integrity. Clutching his book, he threw himself into the river. He was pulled from the water by his family, but refusing all food and drink. He died six days later. Like many of his class, Wen was determined to die along with the Ming regime. 
But who would now oversee the sprinkling of rice water on the moss in his courtyard? In fact, although Wen Zhen Hung was but mortal, his treatise on superfluous things and the garden of cultivation have transcended time to be with us in the present day. They reflect an era of style and culture that seems on a par with any in history. His aim, as expressed to his friend Shen Chun Zhe, to prevent people from forgetting, has indeed triumphed over the trials of fate and misfortune. Throughout Chinese history, there have always been people prepared to sacrifice their lives for their belief in integrity. Their example is embedded in the nation's culture from one generation to the next. The Garden of Cultivation remains a haven of refinement where people can go to drink tea and engage in conversation, both serious and playful. The boiling of the water, the careful selection and infusing of the leaves, the rinsing of the cups, the multiple steeping and the serving to one's guests, Tea culture is about much more than consuming a hot beverage. It is an embodiment of a Chinese culture of courtesy, refinement and respect. If Wen Zhenhang were alive today, he would scarcely feel out of place in such an environment. His treatise on superfluous things represents the essential spirit of aspiration which celebrates the inheritance of a great culture. Suzhou today is a city of many hidden treasures the spirit of the treatise on superfluous things still imbues its streets and alleys, its canals and gardens. The Jicheng Garden in Wuxi, about 50 kilometers to the northwest of Suzhou, once belonged to the descendants of the song poet Qin Guan. 
Chin family owned the garden for more than 500 years until the early 1950s. Thereafter, the family were scattered all around the world, but as long as the garden exists, their spiritual home remains intact. Members of the family gather at the garden at the Qingming Festival each year. It has become a new tradition which connects all of them to their ancestors. The great gardens are no longer the private retreats of the scholar gentry whose refined lifestyles and wealth gave birth to them. open to anyone who seeks a retreat into solitude in surroundings of exquisite beauty. Looking at them, it becomes a challenge to imagine how any mortal eye could have devised such arrangements. But those who doubt this possibility need do no more than consult Wen Zhen Hung's treatise on superfluous things.